You're listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library, and I'm Jeff Milo. Thanks for tuning in. Linda Sinkevich is a fiction writer, poet, and artist based here in Southeast Michigan. She very recently had her new children's book, Gordy and the Ghost Crab, published. And she is the writer and illustrator of this story about a young boy who is grappling with the mysterious and sometimes scary-seeming world of this specific species of crustacean. The story was inspired, as you'll hear, by actual events involving a family trip to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Linda is an award-winning writer with several poetry chapbooks and uh, also the 2015 novel In the Context of Love, which, among many other awards, was a USA Book News Best Book Award finalist. Meanwhile, her writing by now has appeared in more than 50 esteemed literary journals. Gordy and the Ghost Crab is her most recent work for audiences that are pre-K through age 8, and it was published by Writer's Coffee Bar Press. We'll be talking to Linda Sakevich about that. We'll be talking about her lifelong love of art and creative pursuits, as well as the fulfillment of the DIY process. Linda is a member of the Detroit Working Writers, Spring-Fed Arts, and many other groups, including the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. This is our chat. Podcast is Linda Sinkevich. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing all right. We're excited to do these podcasts. We're excited to meet our local authors and bring them to our listeners. You have a new book that came out toward the end of last year. So very much not that long ago. Goodness, three yep. months. And it is for younger audiences. Can you tell us about Gordy and the Ghost Crab? Gordy and the Ghost Crab is for ages three to eight. And it was a book that I initially wrote for my grandson. He's seven now, but I wrote it for him when he was about three years old. And I wrote, well, we went to the beach and couldn't find, we couldn't find a book for him on on ghost crabs and he was afraid of them. So my daughter said, well, mom, you're just gonna have to write him one. So that's what I did. And I created a story about a little boy um, who goes to the beach for the first time and his big brother tells him a scary story. Now I have a big brother that used to do this to me. So (laughs) he was my inspiration. And uh, he tells them that these ghost crabs that Gordy sees running around on the beach are going to snip off his toes and drag them into their their holes and eat them for lunch. So, you know, he's he has to decide when he sees a ghost crab being threatened by another little girl, whether or not he's going to help him or stay away. So that's the gist of the story. And what I did was I wrote like a mock-up for my grandson, um, you know, where I just did like cartoon type drawings and the storyline and put it together in a hardcover book and gave it to him. But I really, really liked the story. And uh, so did he. And I thought there might be, you know, a market for it. So I went on from there. That's such a, it's a universal thing to, I guess, reach a young audience in that and sort of help them through all those fears, whatever that fear could be. You know, Mm -hmm. I speak for myself as a four-year-old it was probably something general like the basement but I guess just getting ourselves through (laughs) things like that and ghost crab just saying that sounds scary uh they look uh they don't look cute and I think that their their habits are specific they're like a fast-moving crab right they're very 
They're the fastest of all the crabs. They yeah. can run at ten miles an hour. So they can be <laughs> they can be inherently startling. So <laughs> yeah, they they are. Yeah, and when they get scared, they're they're really fun to watch. Um, we do enjoy them. You know, they live in these deep burrows along the shoreline, and you know their eyes are on eye stalks. Mm -hmm. And when they get startled, if they don't have any place to run, they will make themselves very tall. They're not like a flat crab, so they they stand up on their legs and they they put up their their pincher claws mm -hmm. in the air and they wave them around. Mm -hmm. So you know they can be kind of uh, kind of scary for I guess for a kid, especially when a great big one crawls across the top of your foot. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. what happened, and we couldn't find him a book. So you know. Yeah, well, the, the another universal thing that seems to tap into is when. Gordy has to make a decision about the crab. There's this, um, it, it's introducing that idea of, I guess, empathy, right? Or empathizing with this right. little creature. Oh, yes, because in the book, he envisions the girl taking the, taking the little ghost crab away from the ocean side and putting him in a little terrarium. Mm. You know, he knew that the ghost wouldn't be happy. Yeah. So. We've buried the lead. You also illustrated this book. Can you talk yeah. about, talk about that? Now you've been, uh, well, we'll get into this later in the past. You've been making art for, almost your entire life, but I yes. guess tell us about creating these images. You said that you sort of made a mock-up. These are these are very friendly-looking images, lots of warm tones. Talk about mm -hmm. illustrating it. That was something that was entirely new to me. You know, I went to art school in the 70s, and in the 70s, we didn't do any, there was no digital art. Everything was done by hand. Right. And when I first decided that I wanted to illustrate this myself, I started attending, and this was before the pandemic, I went to a couple conferences and talked to other illustrators and, and uh, other book publishers and find out to find out what exactly you needed to do because I had no idea, you know, even what part of the book and what part of the story I would need to illustrate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's an art to illustrating kids' books in that you want to stimulate their imagination. You don't want to do a li literal interpretation of the text and you want them to keep turning the pages right. and uh, you need to surprise them as well with the text, you know, and the illustrations. And I had never drawn, I mean, in art school, I learned all, you know, all the basics. I learned color theory. I learned perspective and uh, design, but I didn't really illustrate children. I mean, I'd never drawn children. I'd never drawn the beach. I've never drawn waves. <laughs> There's a lot to learn in addition to figuring out how you would even lay out a book, yeah. you know, um, how many pages would it be and, and um, how much text would be on each page. So I, I studied children's books ones that I have at home that I've bought for my grandkids and looked at how they were laid out and um, did a lot of research and figured it out from there. So, well, that that's it was a lot. <laughs> exactly. I think that there, there still might be that lingering perception or stereotype that, you know, oh, I guess because we see celebrities do it all the time that they, they want to write a children's book because everyone thinks it's going to be easy, but it's not easy. No, it's not. No. And I, and the other thing was too, you know, it, we did everything in hand uh, by hand, you know, illustrating, you know, in the seventies, whereas mm -hmm. now it's all done digitally. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea how to do that. So I bought myself an iPad with the idea that this is what I would learn how to do on it. And it probably, it took me a good half a year before I even got the courage to try to figure out, all right, what app am I going to use mm -hmm. and how does it work? How do I do layers? How do I, how do I make brush strokes? Do I want to make brush strokes mm -hmm. and how, you, you know, it, there was just, it was a lot to really put together, but 
you know, my philosophy with, with writing or anything creative that I do is that, you know, uh, what do you have to lose by trying? Mm -hmm. You really, you really don't. Mm -hmm. And so I just started playing around with it. I watched YouTube videos, you know, knowing that I had the basic art skills, I kept telling myself, you can do this. You just have to learn it. You can do it, you know, <laughs> because you don't have anything to lose. You know, when I, you know, I was writing poetry for probably 15 or so years. I got bored with it and started writing short stories. I ended up having two of them published and I sent one to my poetry editor and he loved it. And he said, you know what, Linda, you ought to write a book based, a novel based on this short story. And I had no clue how to write a novel. But I thought, once he put that idea in my head, I thought, well, what do I, what do I have to lose by at least trying, you know? Yes. So I wrote a novel. I had the attention of an agent for a while, but it never really went anywhere. So um, what I learned from that process was that I really needed to learn a lot more about writing a novel. Mm -hmm. And I went back to school. Mm -hmm. So at 55, I went and got my MFA in, in creative in creative writing and, and learned about writing a fiction novel. And then I had my book published in 2015. So in the context of love. Yeah, which that's uh, right, which garnered a lot of acclaim, a lot of awards it's, attention. It's that first small press publication. Yeah, it did fairly well. Mm -hmm. So I think that that there's something there that is worthwhile to dig into is the uh, reward, I guess you find, or sort of the fulfillment that you might find from uh, sort of, as you said, just figuring it out for yourself first and foremost, because our independent authors that there is sometimes there is no other recourse. I mean, it is it's always great to work with a small press or an indie indie publisher, but mm -hmm. you're not going to have all those luxuries that Penguin Random is going to give you. But so tell me about something that might tie into your life is you've been making art since you were uh, very, very young. And mm -hmm. I wondered what that was, whether it was uh, something illustrative or something craft specific. Uh, has there been something about that? Oh, uh, I that, drew. I just drew yeah. all the time. That yeah. was that was how I kept myself busy was drawing, drawing pictures. And um, I remember being fascinated by Archie comic books and I was able to draw all those characters. And then the kids at school wanted me to draw them doing different things than <laughs> I ended up. And I, you know, uh, drew off, drew, and then I learned painting and, and uh, I just loved all aspects of art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was always a goal when I was a little girl to be an artist. That's what I thought I'd be. Oh, yeah. So, Wait. you know. Um, but then I get, then I got really interested in the poetry, and that kind of took over the creative, creative aspect of my life for a long time. Even though I did some, you know, I did collages and I made altered books and I illustrated the covers of my chat books, mm -hmm. my poetry chat books. But you know, my illustrative skills really, you know, when I started this this Gordian the Ghost Crab, I didn't know if I if I could do it or not. I really, really didn't know. Yeah. But is there something you? You know, do you have a personal philosophy? Is there something that you think is just inherently restorative or healing or something kind of like a tonic for the soul when it comes to the creativity, whether it is poetry or drawing? It's, for me, it's a great distraction from real life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's that. <laughs> it's a way to express myself. And, mm -hmm. you know, I love exploring all the different possibilities that come with art mm -hmm. and writing. Then tell me more about how you kind of worked your way through creating your first novel um, a decade ago, which came out about five years ago now. So tell us about that for the folks out here who are listening who might be still trying to write their own first novel. You know, I'm not, I sort of had an outline. I, I think I knew where I wanted the book to go in the end. Mm -hmm. And then I um, just started started writing, but that was a long time ago. I'm working on a second novel now. Mm -hmm. 
um, getting the first draft is draft done is always the hardest part, and I think that's that's with anything. And even with Gordy and the Ghost Crab, trying to figure out how the story's going to go from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and breaking it down in sections and deciding, you know, I think with the novel, I wrote, I thought of scenes, scenes. When I think back of it now, I would create scenes in my mind of of the different characters, and I would write out those scenes, and then I threaded them together to create the novel. Mm-hmm. And the way that you were talking about the decisions you had to make in terms of what you would draw with Gordy and the Ghost Crab and what you would yeah. have to reveal in those drawings, combined with that, the way it sounds like you structured out your novel, it reminds me of a, a, a film editor thinking about how the movie's going to go. Not that maybe that wasn't entirely yeah. in your head, but. Yeah, they do overlap, I yeah. think. There was a um, one of the instructors at the at the MFA program that I went to did write did do screenwriting. And he always talked about when you're writing a novel or a short story, something has to happen in that first third of the structure, in that first one third that wants the, that the reader then needs to know, all right, I, I've got a burning question now and I have right. to know what's going to happen, you know, and that has to happen fairly soon, I think, right. in any in any book or novel or short story. So, mm-hmm. Art has been there. Art has been in your life for forever. Writing came later, or at least you dove sort of fully into writing later in your life? Well, I always, I always enjoyed writing. I remember mm-hmm. in high school, I was I um, enjoyed any writing assignment we got in English class. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, at that point, I remember I told my mom I wanted to be a journalist. Ah. And and back in the 70s, I guess she was she was thinking out, oh my God, that's going to be so hard. That's too hard for you. And I thought, well, that's too hard for you. And I completely backed off that. You know, I don't know that being an artist is any easier, but you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my writing, but mm-hmm. I just knew that I enjoyed it. And I think it was probably around the 90s that I started reading poetry mm-hmm. and journaling. And from that, then the, po- the poetry grew from that. Mm-hmm. I like so, poetry. You can poetry. Yeah. Not that I want to, and this might sound cliche, but I love poetry because it can be like you're painting pictures with words much more than. Uh, it is. It is. You know, but it's funny after writing fiction for a while, it's it's sometimes tricky getting back into writing poetry. I mean, I have been doing a little bit of poetry in the past couple of months, but mm-hmm. it's like you lose your, your lyrical voice, I think, mm-hmm. when you when you write so much fiction. At least it, for me, it mm-hmm. has. It's sort of switched over now. So I find poetry writing poetry much more difficult than it used to be. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how... It's going to be an awkward question that I'll just wander my way into, but when we think of novelists... Sometimes the option is there to kind of lean into a genre, you know, or sort of hone a style for oneself. Did that ever occur to you? Has it occurred to you yet? You know, when you think of the type of book that Context of Love is, and when you think of the feel and vibe of the book you're currently working on, what, I guess, what do you think directs where you want to go style-wise? Or is it something less tangible? Is it more about exploring subjects of compassion and empathy what is it what do you think it is yeah i think i think i lean more toward literary fiction mm-hmm. where you're you're exploring more the um development of a person and their and their character arc as opposed to something driven like by an apocalypse mm-hmm. or something that happens from the outside mm-hmm. you know where it's more of a plot plot driven story mm-hmm. yeah i definitely lean more towards the character development yeah. type my current my current novel is working with a, a woman who's a hypochondriac, mm-hmm. and she's got a lot of issues that she needs to resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Yeah, and that's something that that people sort of commented on with context of love and what they could see in this book is that you know you you write these characters who aren't necessarily perfect who have real mm-hmm. issues to deal with mm-hmm. in their lives. Mm-hmm. I you know we say this and we've been saying it all year that we wish there were opportunities to have our authors do book signings and readings and you know it was probably it probably goes without saying that it was tough to have to release a book during quarantine but uh i wanted to say that it is cool to see that if folks go to your website you're very active and you blog a lot and you do get that connection you keep that connection going and i like that well thank you thank you that's good Mm -hmm. i'm glad yeah yeah it, it has been tricky with with the pandemic um i'm hoping that in the spring um we can do kind of like a kind of like a little tour down the East Coast with the book. Yeah. Um, and hit up uh, toy stores and gift shops and and, and uh, bookstores because I think it would do really well along the coast in vacation areas, you know, Gordy and the Ghost Crab. And I think that maybe working with teachers um, will be a good, you know, I put together a um, teacher's guide for mm-hmm. the book as well. Oh, that was something I wanted yeah. to entirely ask about is that that's such a cool <laughs> extra feature to you. And some folks yeah. release children's books. You went that extra mile. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's about four pages of, um, of information, um, factual information in the back of the book about ghost crabs. And it's really kind of funny because, well, I went to a conference, you know, when I was first toying around before I even had started doing the illustrations and I met with an agent who really liked the story. Um, and he suggested that I put a page of, of factual information in the back of the book. So I wrote that and then I did the illustrations, um, you know, I, I figured out what size they would need to be, and then, then I worked, tried to find a publisher, and um, I started working with Writer's Coffee Bar Press, mm-hmm. Mary Chris Bradley. She's actually the publisher of In the Context of Love, but the, that press went out of business, and now she works with children's books. And um, she took a look at my illustrations, and she said, well, they're really great, they're really fun, but they're the wrong size. Oh. So I had to um, change the, you know, change the size of them. When I changed the size of them, that ended up changing the resolution. So I had to redraw, redraw all of the drawings, oh. every single one. But in that process, of course, they got better. Okay. And learned. I continued to learn more about illustrating and, you know, perfecting things and making sure, like, there's a green pail in the book and it's got to look the same in all the pages and the waves have to kind of look all the same. And when I got all that finished and submitted it to her, she said, well, this is wonderful. This looks really great, except for now we've got three extra pages at the back of the book. You need to write more factual information. (laughs) So I had to kind of go back to the drawing board and rethink, okay, like what else can we can we teach little kids? Mm -hmm. And I found out that there's really a lot of really fun facts in general about about crabs. Mm -hmm. And so that's all in the back of the book now, too. That's great. So. That's great. I had this phrase come into my head as you were describing that whole anecdote there is that everything is a process. Uh, it really teaches you patience, <laughs> right? Patience and fortitude. Yes. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. And, you know, if, you know, if you're if you're a writer and you've got an idea, you know, there's there's no reason why you shouldn't at least try. Um, and that's what I kept telling myself all along. You know, you got to at least try this. You got to, you got to see, see how far you can take it. You know, what, what's, what's the worst? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you learn something. Well, Gordy and the Ghost Crab is out now. Linda, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you to Ferndale Library as well. It was a pleasure.
And that was our chat with Linda Case and Kevich talking about Gordy and the Ghost Crab, her new children's book that she wrote and illustrated. She is a novelist working on her second novel now, short story writer and poet and also artist. You can find more at her website, which we will, of course, be linking to in the show notes where you can learn more about Gordy and the Ghost Crab, but also follow her blog. And this is the Ferndale Library podcast. It's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library, and I'm Jeff Milo. You can rate, review, or subscribe, or you could just tell a friend about this podcast. You can visit ferndalefriends.org for more info on how to support, and we always appreciate you listening.